Hey guys, what's going on? It's Evan Transu, aka Mr. Health Coach Ev here, coming back to you with another episode, although this is a little bit different of an interview. I'm actually really excited because this is one of the first times on the podcast that we've steered away from interviewing with um, someone who has a direct mental health story. However, uh, this your person absolutely has a story and she has a ton of work with mental health clients and has a really unique perspective in how she works with these people and supports them. Even cooler is to all of our local listeners, Bucks County, Doylestown area. Um, she's someone who works great with uh, all of us. So I'm really excited to kind of introduce her. Um, it's my friend, Connie Guerin. I met her probably almost you know, three and a half, four years ago now, I went to a mental health talk in the Doylestown area um, and she was the presenter that night. You know, I went with my friend Kelly and we showed up and she's talking about nutrition and mental health and all this stuff. So I got really excited and um, you know, we just started talking afterwards and then her and I ended up doing um, one, we tried to do one talk at my parents' restaurant and we did not do so well with that one. I think we only had a couple people come out and then the next time we did it, it was nice. We had like 15, 20 people. Um, we gave a super long presentation, but I think it was just really insightful for a lot of people. And some of the people that attended that presentation, you know, I still, uh, you know, hear from to this day that they kind of had their perspectives changed. So I'm really glad to have her here today, you know, many years later to tell kind of her story and her background with stuff. So Connie, thanks so much for being here. It's great to be here. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity, Evan. Sure. So. We're going to start out, like I said, everyone, a little different, but this is not necessarily a mental health story, although you guys will be able to tell pretty quickly how this could easily take a toll on someone's mental health. But I think it is so relevant to what we're going to be talking about after it, because I think your story with um, cancer and stuff is one of the things that probably led you into nutrition and all these things you've learned. So could you maybe give a background on the cancer you dealt with and then how you ended up coming to the resolution that you did? Because it is not something many people can say for their cancer. Sure. So back in about 2008, I, my a uh, doctor said that I should go get a breast biopsy, and I left her um, office, you know, after I made an appointment, and I went straight to a store where I knew that they sold a lot of DVDs about alternative health, and specifically diet and juicing and raw food and alkalizing. So that was really like the first step that I took, and I bought maybe like eight or nine DVDs, and I basically holed up in my attic for about two weeks every night, watching several hours of DVDs from some of the most um, informative professionals in the um, discipline. And some of them were MDs who healed themselves. Some of the people in the DVDs were uh, directors of facilities where you go to learn how to um, alkalize your body and detox, which is uh, has a lot to do with cancer. And I, what the important thing was with all of this, and I think it is for all mental health and for all physical health issues, is get the information first. You know, I was already geared towards thinking holistically and lived kind of holistically in my lifestyle, but I didn't know exactly what to do and exactly what causes cancer because I never had to deal with it before. So 
I treated my mind first and I treated my mind with the best information that's out there. And then I called a number of, of uh, institutes that have been specializing in this. And I, taught, I asked them for phone numbers of people that have done this um, way of healing, you know, like 20 or more years ago. So I got to talk to people around the world, Saskatchewan, Canada, around the United States, a number of people. And I got five ladies who healed themselves uh, years ago. I d- didn't want somebody who was in the process. I wanted like an older, wiser woman to talk to who, you know, because I could see then how um, what the outcomes are like and how they're, what their lifestyle is like now and their quality of life. So I did that research. And it's because if we don't treat our mind first, then we just, you know, we there's too many, um, too much information out there and you can't become a detective the, the day that somebody says, you know, that you might have cancer. You have to, you, you really need the information. You need to be able to sift through and distill it down to what works. So that's what I did. And I end up, ended up choosing a place where I could, they've been dealing with these issues for 60 years, helping people from around the world. And, uh, it was an amazing process when I went there. And that was the Hippocrates Health Institute. Is that what you're referring to? Yes, in West Palm Beach, Florida. They, it's a nice. learning institute. Mm-hmm. And, they, and you, you get about 20 hours of classes a week. Right. Cool. I think I loved, um, well, there was a few things I loved in there. But one of the things you mentioned was that you were talking to women who were you know, wise and had the experience and had the results. And that is exactly what I was doing when I was trying to resolve some of my mental health stuff. Um, I ended uh-huh. up I ended up going to California just to try to meet people. And when I heard this one person talking um, in a coffee shop, you know, she had results with skin cancer and Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And I'm like, you know uh-huh. what? If she can do that, I, I think I can figure my stuff out. So I think that's really smart to go exactly. where results are. Um, and that's one of the reasons I brought you on today. So how did this... Um, by the way, I didn't even I should have given this a proper background because obviously I alluded to the fact that uh, you do work with psychotherapy and stuff. But I know there's a lot of different mental health certifications and degrees. Just to be 100 percent clear, can you tell people exactly what your title is and um, your educational <laughs> background? Sure. Um, I'm a psychotherapist in private practice in Doylestown. And I have a degree in comparative psychology, which is a master's degree in comparative psychology, where I. Uh, researched psychological theories from around the world and compared and contrasted them. And I have a Master of Science in Clinical and Counseling. Um, And I also have a two-year postgraduate in uh, psychoanalytic psychoanalysis. And what all that really means is that I learned how the body and mind are really one unit. There's not a distinction. And how Lots of people who have anxiety and depression, all kinds of mental health issues, including personality disorders, in my opinion, they, the, the, I, I come at it from the point of view where the, your body is your subconscious and people can directly, and I've seen it, I've done it myself, uh, feel a lot better, a lot faster by uh, nurturing and taking care of and helping the body feel better because that is their subconscious. Wow. And see, this is why, see, this is cool because 
I, I got to be honest, most people are actually pretty fair with me and they hear me out, especially because I have a personal story. So it's not like you can take that away from someone. But you right. know, I don't have that traditional college type of background. I have many certifications, but not the college sure. background. And so when we hear someone that not only has the college education, but you have relevant college education um, in this field and you still have realized the importance of nutrition, I think this is going to be honestly one of the most important podcasts we've done in the over a year and a half, this whole thing has been going on because it really just helps people change their perspective. I've met um, this PhD in psychology about a year and a half, two years ago, and she was from Europe, very intelligent lady. And we got into a conversation and talking about mental health. And I remember being so scared, thinking that when I told her my story, I needed to word it correctly because I didn't want her to think I was like anti-medication because I'm obviously not. Uh, right. But people interpret it like that. I just I wanted to tell my truth. This woman not only agreed with the perspective of the nutritional healing, she kind of took it a step further than me, just like you kind of did. Because you just mentioned personality disorders. When I talk about this stuff, you know, I don't I don't really know the um, degree to which this stuff could help that. I don't, I'm not saying it can't. I just wasn't aware. And she was talking to me that, you know, when she was in private practice, she was working with people with bipolar disorder and using nutritional therapy to help these people out. I mean, that is just not something you hear. Now, this woman was also, I think I mentioned this um, in the beginning, but she was from Europe. So right. where her training was from, you know, that was actually not, like she was understood by being in America why I thought that was atypical, but she didn't think that was some like revolutionary concept. Yes. She learned this stuff. You know, she was like, no, that's just kind of what we do. So how did you eventually apply these principles to mental health um, clients maybe? And then obviously with respect to confidentiality, I know we got to be careful here, um, but maybe like, what are like, what was maybe the first thing you saw where, wow, I'm working with someone that got awesome results with nutrition type stuff that I recommended. Right. So going back to my first week at Hippocrates, um, I was there. You, you have to do this um, 21 day program to, to sufficiently detox and reboot your nutrition. And the first night, one of the doctors came out and said, all of you who are on medication, including psychotropic medication, I was not on anything, but lots of people were. And as I said, lots of people from around the world were there. And they said, be in touch with your doctor prob because probably within a week of this cleansing, you're going to need like only half your medication dose. Because you get so clean, it j things are more effective. Wow. And absolutely, like you said, um, there are people that need to have medication as an emergency thing or just to be able to balance something that they need to, um, you know, they might be working on balancing depression and bipolar, whatever it is, with nutrition. But sometimes people just need something right in the beginning to bridge it and then maybe a certain um, dosage ongoing. So that was just what, that was exactly what they're saying in Hippocrates too, that yeah, there's lots of people on medication because they need it, but so much can be alleviated naturally. Um, and when they said that that night, I thought, well, that's probably true about, you know, a lot of, a lot of people that I meet, a lot of people that I know with this psychotropic medication that like that was the connection that I made that 
um, they were talking about their cancer meds mostly, but I was thinking of all the people that I have who are exhausted. When you think about depression Mm -hmm. and anxiety, there's a lot of exhaustion that comes with that. Well, where's that exhaustion coming from? And, and a lot of it, you know, if, if you take a really depressed person, just remove the exhaustion, that's like half the battle. Right, so, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's my first link with, with all of that. And then I was realizing around that time that the body is the subconscious because Candace Pert, well-known researcher of, uh, who uh, found the, she discovered the um, neurological basis for our opiate receptors mm-hmm. and in our brain. And she has a, a book called The Body is the Subconscious. And I had already had that realization. Then I realized she wrote this book and that was amazing. So, yes, I see it very often in my practice. People will walk in and there's a certain look. There's a certain look they have. And sometimes I can tell if it is related to their digestion, as you probably can, and, it, it, you know, brain fog and that kind of thing. And so very often if the person seems open to it, I ask them what they eat. And I, I do deal with plenty of individuals who aren't um, nutritionally, you know, like aware and they don't, they don't even, you know, they're not, their consciousness isn't towards uh, holistic health at all. And sometimes we gradually get there. But yeah, that's one of the first questions I ask if the people are open to it. Nice. And yet, like you said, I definitely can tell and I'm, I'm more aware of it now because, you know, we've had our own experiences with this stuff. So you start seeing it everywhere and you just realize there's so much going on in our modern world that, OK, of course, um, we're, we're really going to need to add some support in that area. Um, and I think it's really impactful for people when you can kind of bridge that gap for them and be that person that connects it and says, hey, like, listen, there are some other things to do. And it's something that I try to always make sure to word tactfully and carefully now, because in the beginning, of course, I meant well, but I was like preaching this stuff because I was just so excited. And I realized, you know, when people are going through severe anxiety or depression or one of these things and you tell them that nutrition could be an aspect of it. I like try to think back to when I was at my worst mental health wise. And I realize why people can almost like sometimes get offended by it if it's not worded right. Cause yes. like, I have these severe feelings and you're telling me it's as quote unquote simple. Um, as nutrition. exactly, you, you know what I mean? And it's like, well, no, I'm not saying it's that simple. I actually think it's very complex, but that's just the way we describe it. Right. It's like, you know, Hey, it's as simple as quote unquote, um, using nutrients or stuff like that. So, I don't know. We talked about before we got on here, um, we mentioned a story like from three years ago. I don't know if you'd want to talk about that one or you have a different one or you want to talk about. Oh, right. Yes, exactly. And that was a really good point that you just brought up because the symptoms of malnutrition and toxicity, which is what I think we're talking about, I'm talking about, um, are so severe and affect a person's life so deeply that it's it's offensive and insulting if you say, hey, just clean up your diet. And it isn't that simple, but it really takes you a long way. And I, I, I can tell you, I think the story that you're talking about, and I do, I see them every day um, to different degrees. But I've even said to somebody, you know, like on a scale of one to ten, what's your anxiety? And say they say, like, it's a nine and a half. And I said, what if... Um, 
60% of your anxiety is toxicity. Would you be able to deal with these very real issues you're dealing with if, if you felt 60% better? or 40% or 30 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So it takes the heaviness and the load off um, f- when someone um, kind of clears a lot of the toxins out. And then they realize, oh, this is this degree of the problem. Like the problem isn't as as bad as I thought it was. Now, of course, there are severe biochemical deficiencies and imbalances that need medication. Absolutely. Um, just like at Hippocrates, they said, hey, if there's a tumor pressing on your aorta, you need to get surgery and get it removed. And mm-hmm. a lot of people use the cleansing and detoxing as a, you know, additional, like, uh, you know, side treatment to the other emergency medical stuff that they have to do. So this isn't like one in lieu of the other, but the effects are amazing. So, um, yeah, I was um, I'm remembering that guy um, that I think you're referring to who was a young person and had been hospitalized uh, for attempting suicide and, you know, looking at guns and driving 120 miles an hour and, and very this, this, self-destructive high risk. Say, say that again, Evan? I'm sorry. I was saying this is it 100 percent. When you just mentioned those three things, that's the exact story I'm referencing. Yes, right. So um, he came to my office straight from the hospital and wanted something to happen in his life. And if that thing didn't happen, he was going to end his life. And he is a very gifted, you know, has everything going for him, young person who has everything to live for technically. But this is the place he was at. So as he was talking I just got that feeling of <clears throat> when some sometimes when people so many people are have low blood sugar and are living in this carb you know unhealthy carb uh, lifestyle that th- there's so much anxiety that people have he could be depressed for his situation but as he was talking I was getting this feeling that the anxiety is over the top. And I didn't believe that it was because of that situation. I, I believed my theory was that he was, he, it felt like, you know, a person who's in starvation, like a starvation mode. When people ignore how they feel and having breakfast and keeping their blood sugar, even which isn't that hard, as you know, being from paleo, I mean, you can do this stuff um, pretty easily. Right. And, um, they're, they don't realize when that's on top of their issue that they're dealing with, that they're depressed about, they don't realize how much of it is starvation because they're not motivated to make breakfast. They're not motivated to do something healthy. And uh, so they feel terrible. So I said, what did you eat today? And he said the same thing I have every day, Mountain Dew and corn chips. And it was only like, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon. And so he probably had that for breakfast. So basically, I mean, it's caffeine and sugar. So he was malnourished. He didn't look malnourished. He looked healthy. He was malnourished. He was starving because that's what he eats every day. He was on, he was, you know, I say on corn because it's like a drug. And <laughs> right. Mountain Dew, are you kidding me? That amount of caffeine on no food is why he felt that bad. And I said, all right, you need to listen to me and you need to do this now. And mind you, he just got out of the hospital. 
So I said, I want you to go get some of this um, good nutritional green powder. And I want you to learn how to make a green smoothie. And because he was so desperate, and I guess he had a sense that he could try something I suggested, he texted me. That was a Friday, and he texted me Friday night at like quarter after 10, and he said, I have to admit that this is absolutely amazing. The thoughts are way less frequent, and when they come, they're easier to ignore. Because his brain had the power to be able to think more rationally and calmly um, from, uh, his food. So when I think of like some of those really chock full nutritional, uh, green powders, I'm saying green because of the chlorella in it, which is Mm -hmm. very, very needed. Um, it's that it's, it, it's all biochemistry. So he needed some meds to, to help balance him and he still needed them for a while. Maybe still does now. I don't know. But when he added the the, med, the chemistry in the form of food, it just filled his stomach. He was calmer. He it helped him get out of fight or flight. And then um, over the next months, he had some therapy. And then I uh, he turned his dad on to it because his dad was into health and waiting, uh, lifting weights and stuff. And and so he and uh, he started getting into this whole different lifestyle related to how he eats and treats his body by the way which is how he treats his subconscious his a lot of his issues from his early childhood were being dealt with by dealing with his body in this way think picture like a baby crying in in their crib because they're hungry i mean that's very emotional right yeah so that's like what he was like as as a young adult so then i ran into him uh in this you know later that year and he looked amazing and had a new relationship and was really happy. That is that's such like an amazing um, story. And I yeah, that was like the exact same thing that you told me um, yeah. three, three and a half years ago. So that that's cool that um, that one is still so you know relevant even today. It's like, all right, that is just like something you don't typically uh, hear about, unfortunately. And I'm just like really glad that he was able to feel that so quickly, too. I mean, you know. His body's just so deprived that yes. thing that's that hyper, uh, I shouldn't say hyper, but like, you know, has so many nutrients in it um, yeah. that can provide relief so quick. And it is funny because looking back, and this is why, you know, um, obviously I invited you to come on. It's not like you asked to be on the podcast. I invited you on because I love this perspective because even though, yes, I do a paleo type of thing now and it seems to work very well for me, the thing that helped me in the beginning, when I tell my story, the first thing that helped me with my mental health issues, I had these things, you know, at this point for 12 or 13 years and I'm in a sales company where we're kind of selling and pushing these healthy energy drinks and these multivitamins. And since we were like in the summer, kind of, we had all this time off, everyone's home from college or whatever. We're drinking like three or four of these healthy energy drinks every single day. Now, they actually were relatively low caffeine and more higher nutrients, whatever. But I realized after like two or three months, and it happened quicker than that, but it was just my realization after two or three months. I'm like, wait a second. What just happened to the guy that like six months ago got kicked out of school? Like, I feel <laughs> good. I'm like happy. My one friend from high school that yes. used to that situation literally said, quote, you're like the most positive person I know now. And I just started analyzing where I'm like, yes, what changed? Like, 
because I had some good people in my life in the sales company. Don't get me wrong, but I'm like, wait a second. I had good people in my life long before I had mental health issues. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, it wasn't just that. And then I was able to correlate it because when the sales company, you know, we just kind of stopped doing it. I wasn't consuming these nutrients anymore. And sure enough, two or three months later, I felt the first symptoms of depression in a very long time. Exactly. And yeah. Yep. That was sold the nutritional stuff for me. That's when I started get, getting the certifications and really taking this to the next level. Um, another thing that you mentioned in that story was, well, alluded to at least, was that there was some like subconscious stuff maybe from the guy's childhood. Now, when I'm talking, and this is pretty much because I don't have this formal background um, in psychology, so I like to just, you know, dot my I's and cross my T's. I always differentiate, especially if I'm working with someone, you know, from a functional perspective and we're doing labs, I like to make sure, hey, is this a what I call circumstantial case of mental health issues or non-circumstantial? So circumstantial just meaning those unfortunate but classic stories that you hear with abuse or trauma that led to mental health symptoms. I really try to refer those people out or just like let them do their own thing. Be like, hey, find a you know psychologist or psychiatrist in your area um, and go do that. And, you know, with the non-circumstantial, those are the people that I put in the category of me, like hey, I had a really good life. I'm not saying I've never been through anything, but you know what? I, I didn't really have anything even close to warrant the experiences that I was having with mental health. So are you saying that you believe that this could, this type of nutritional therapy could at least be supportive, maybe not resolve, but be supportive to the people that are dealing with mental health issues because they're in more of that circumstantial state? <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And um, to a different percentage for each person. And that the person who's in that state is, I mean, if somebody's very upset, mostly what often comes with that is the feeling of brain fog and exhaustion. And if we remove the brain fog and exhaustion, and then there, it's like, you know, and the anxiety comes up. Um, it's like cleaner, if you know what I mean by it feels mm -hmm. cleaner. It's not all, you know, like uh, blur, you know, foggy as far as a what, is, what is what. And so when they're, you know, just think about somebody who's very upset about a circumstance and they didn't sleep all night. Well, they're going to be exhausted and have brain fog and their, their issue that they're dealing with is going to feel 10 times worse. Mm -hmm. So when you remove the exhaustion and brain fog, um, and they can deal with their their issue a lot more clearly and um, and just kind of process it faster. And that doesn't mean they don't have some, you know, days that they're more down, but it just helps so much. And like you said, what's really interesting about that, it, when you were telling, relating that experience that you had, I think about when I was at Hippocrates and somebody who was doing a presentation there talked about... Um, there's a, they, you know, they do, a, they're really well known for using wheatgrass as medicine, as food, you know, food as your medicine in addition to their, um, the medications that their doctor prescribes them. And this guy was saying that there would always be ducks that hung around outside of the greenhouse and he would give them, give them uh, scraps scraps of the wheatgrass and then he's and they were like everybody was happily living together as far as a little duck community there and uh one day he said oh i should buy these ducks some food and i, f I feel like i should be feeding them you know duck food 
So he went to the store and bought a bag of duck food, and they started fighting. Wow. They started fighting on the processed duck food, and then he took it away, and they stopped fighting. Wow. <laughs> I'm thinking, so there you go. I mean, they weren't, they were happy before that. They didn't, they weren't like, probably weren't abused ducks, you know? Yeah. And uh, they got angry. So one of the, one, and I, maybe it has to do with hormones in the food or something, you know? I mean, maybe there's process, I'm sure there's organic processed duck food that, that is, um, that is as is healthy that was just his particular experience you know i would probably i use some organic processed uh food for my dog uh, in addition to green powders but um that's what happened there and so one of the things i noticed and uh, i'm wondering about your experience too the i mean there's the emotion of irritation and slash anger, really, I don't have a lot of that. I mean, I have other emotions, um, but I don't have a lot of anger. And I've been curious, and I don't know the answer, what it is about anger that doesn't, that kind of seems to go away soon after you start cleaning up. And I'm wondering if it's, if a lot of the anger that people feel is related to feeling, feeling toxic and frustrated and, um, and that's, you know, what they're reacting to because they really have something underlying. There might be an issue underlying, like even getting caught in traffic, like why immediate anger? And I think that kind of reactive anger it can be related to how they're feeling internally, just like the ducks. Yeah. I Well, okay. That's a great point. I think there is many reasons for that. I will say two things in like response to it. One is the fact that there's a really interesting study that shows there. Um, I love like spore-based probiotics now. There's a few certain strains that have been shown to be very clinically effective for those with major depressive disorder, um, regardless of why they have it, right? It doesn't matter if it's a circumstance. Yes, exactly. But that same strain that has been used in humans has also been used um, in hens, like literally hens, and has shown reduction in um, aggressive behavior. And they realized that this was because of having more serotonin. Um, And I thought that was fascinating because I'm wondering, like, you know, we're, we're treating all these people with SSRIs, which for those that don't know, is a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. What are we trying to do? We're trying to get them to basically in oversimplified terms, you know, use more of their serotonin. So I think that there could be some link to the aggression there. I also have heard, but this would be the one I'm less confident with saying, um, just because I don't have as much research on it. I've heard that aggression and anger and all these things can actually be like a sort of high and it can release dopamine and stuff. And I don't know if that's true, but I wonder if when we're feeling so miserable all the time and there's not many things that are giving us pleasure in life, you know, it's not like people are intentionally doing this, but I wonder, I mean, do you know about that? Like, can we feel a dopamine rush off angry outbursts? Well, it's a release. And just like laughing, you know, when you think about laughing and crying, it's the same mechanism which is your um diaphragm it's it's the diet it's not diet it's not a spasm but it's really it's the same as deep breathing that's why someone people feel good when they do aerobic exercises so laughing and crying for 
you know, a sad reason, um, are related. It's a, a physiological release, and, and those kinds of uh, angry outbursts are similar from what I understand. Um, related to the research that you're just talking about is this whole field of, which I know you know about, gut psychology, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so there's this research where... Um, People who were born cesarean didn't get the good bacteria that they would have gotten from their mother in a vaginal birth, and they followed them, and there's loads of uh, mental illness in their, in their life, or at least anxiety. It doesn't mean it's the only population that has mental health issues, but there's, a, there's an, um, an element in here which is really related to it, which is uh, the good gut bacteria, and there is this research with mice where they did they they were they're in their little house with their maze and everything, and they were happily living in there. And then the mice had babies, and they did little cesarean births for the mice. And the mice that were born with cesarean um, birth, they 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 acted. They were a little. Uh, little more socially shy and they were weren't um, as socially adept you know they didn't uh, interact as smoothly as other mice they learned more slowly and they they acted depressed and aggression with aggression and all they did was give them gut bacteria and and there was a bit of like the, that something that also appeared as um, autism. Mm-hmm. They gave them the gut flora, and a huge percentage of the issues were removed. Wow! I knew the thing about C sections being an um, issue, but I've never heard the study uh, with the mice. That's actually really interesting, and we're just going to see more and more of this, right? They, you know what a lot of the doctors are saying? We've done more research on the gut microbiome in the last five years, 10 years than we have in the last hundred. Um, right. Learning more and more. So right now, in my opinion, like, because you're, you're absolutely right. I do know a lot about the connection and it is basically the foundation of my practice, um, figuring out Good. the gut, how do we restore that? And then also I'm like really big on light now. I, I found light to be hugely effective. Um, oh, and it's yeah. a, two-way street natural light is great and artificial light is like killing people we know now that blue light that's coming from the phones and stuff spikes cortisol well how do you think someone's going to feel if especially these young adults you know their whole life they are glued to a phone or tv or computer screen eventually they're just going to burn out because you know their their stress hormones can't even keep up with that constant oh my gosh i need to release more and more cortisol. So I try to mix those two things together. And obviously, you know, we're oversimplifying it for the call, but like, there's a lot that goes into gut health is my point. But I look at that uh-huh. just recently, and I'm only sharing this because she is actually posting this stuff publicly and gave me permission. So it's kind of an um, extraordinary case. But my client, Amanda, that I'm working with right now, she is someone that dealt with in the early life, definitely what you can call a circumstantial mental health issue. Very sad story. Um, you know, her father passed away in a fire and you know, we're at the point now over a decade later where, you know, she's coming to me and, and at first glance, it seems like a circumstantial thing. And of course there could be an aspect of that, but you said it so perfectly when you talked about the percentages, like, okay, everyone with the circumstantial stuff might just be like, it could be 60% effective or 40 or whatever. Well, guess what? All I know now 
I, I don't know if it's been circumstantial stuff in the past. I'll tell you this, from the functional perspective, what's shown up on her labs, um, there is definitely stuff that we can do that, that is going to increase um, the health of her physical body and, you know, and brain. I know that for a fact. I've seen this before. So it is weird. I, I almost kind of wonder. The circumstantial stuff causes so much stress on the body. And you're right. It like almost, unfortunately, and I know this from experience, it, it kind of... Um, forces bad habits where we like we take care of ourselves less and we sleep less um our sleep quality is poor we're eating poor so i'm like wondering like do these people with circumstantial mental health issues end up getting in this position where they can almost be benefited from the non-circumstantial treatment if you will because now their body's so unhealthy unfortunately because of that stress so it's there's a lot to this it's definitely complicated and i i really love the perspectives that you've brought so far um because you're clearly not black and white about this, right? Like there's some people that go too far off the deep end and they're like, you should never take a medication ever or the opposite, right? Nutritional therapy is BS and you only need a right. medication. Like why can we not all work together and try to find um, that middle ground? You know what I mean? Yeah. Some medications and surgeries can save lives. I mean, thank God for the doctors. Right. Yeah. It's like this is a, this is an amazing thing that we have. I just try to explain to people. I'm like, you know, if I have an autoimmune disorder, that's not something that I got last night. I probably want to mix the, uh, the, you know, Eastern, if you will, functional medicine perspective right. to it. If I go and break my foot, like you just said, thank God that Western medicine exists. I'm not going to the naturopath to get an herb for my broken foot. Like I want yeah. surgery, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, so I right. We're actually not as far away from merging these things as maybe the average person thinks. It's really just a, a learning process of when do we use which, and then once we learn how to use right. each one appropriately, it's it's going to be an amazing thing. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you're relating Amanda's story, when you think about it, um, people who have had a circumstance, they they had that cortisol and adrenaline. And when, when you said it forces a bad habit, that habit that it forces is addiction to the negative uh, stress chemicals. So it creates a stress, a, a, an, an addiction to adrenaline. So there's an adrenaline addiction. Um, when somebody feels really amazing, they could care less about a, an adrenaline addiction because that's not even fun. They just, you know, you could feel you can feel so good, as you know, on um, living a, a healthy, clean life and, and having your natural um, nutrients. But the people that who have had a stressful experience or some form of PTSD, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, they'll get addicted to the adrenaline and cortisol. And when you think about it, the person with that circumstance before that incident happened they could have very easily been fine and they're fine. They were fine maybe because they had, because, uh, because they had the nutrients they needed. And then with the circumstance, it kind of wiped out the good flora and the serotonin and all of that. So, so the circumstance it almost removes what we're trying to replace with a healthier lifestyle, diet, exercise, and nutrition. Absolutely. And yeah, so that's why I'm like at the point where, especially after this call, I'm not going to lie, like this legitimately is solidifying this idea to me because it's something I've been kind of pondering lately. I think the functional perspective um, or natural perspective or whatever you want to call it is 
it, it needs to be a part of almost any treatment program. It just comes down to this. How, what is the percentage that it is needed in every person? For me, it was damn near 100%. For others, it might only be 10 or 15, but a complete treatment program does include this type of stuff. And that's why I think it's really important that we have you know, people like you out there that, I mean, listen, I don't have the background. Um, with a lot of the psychology stuff, like I do my research, I'm obsessed with the topic. I like it, but I don't pretend mm -hmm. to be something I'm not like, I can't do those types of things. So I think it's awesome that, you know, someone could go to someone like you and get really the best of both worlds. And then if you didn't, what, what's cool, and I do this a lot, and I'm probably sure you do a similar thing. It's like, if I feel like something's out of my scope, once you get into this world, you learn about a lot of different people doing these things. And you kind of are able to be like, all right, I might not be able to help 100% here, but I can refer out to this person who I also know shares the same perspective, but they also add you know, this little bit of information. And, and it's really just cool. Right. So. Yeah, I have a group of um, amazing professionals that I refer out to. Awesome. So, all right, as we kind of get to the end wrapping up here, um, I always like to ask one final question, and it's going to be a little different because obviously this wasn't a direct mental health interview, but one of the core themes on this uh, podcast or, you know, when I'm giving a presentation or whatever is always just to start the process of asking for help. Because really, I don't care which route you take. I don't care if you do the functional thing, you know, the psychiatry thing, therapy, or all three. I, I really don't care about that. I, I'm pretty convinced that even if you're not on maybe the perfect path at the moment of healing and you need to course correct in the future, I'm almost positive you are better off than being in silence with these issues and kind of just battling them. So as someone who does this work, what is some advice you would maybe give to someone listening out there that is dealing with mental health symptoms or issues and they have not started the conversation with anyone yet? Like how, how do we start that in a comfortable way? Right. So you just put your finger on the issue. They haven't had the internal motivation to take any kind of action because when um, often a major symptom of a, any mental health issue is is the lack of motivation to do something positive. It's like there it's like there's a motivation to not do anything or maybe to be self-destructive for some people. So the first thing is to is to treat your awareness like your mind with positive good real information and to know that and that could you know become your own little detective and start you know researching stuff talking to people like I did when I when the doctor told me to get a biopsy um, and then um, to know that the reason they don't feel like googling something or or talking to their neighbor who's had a positive experience with with um, natural health um, modalities is because um, that's that's the major symptom to get over so biochemically the person who's feeling um, lethargic or exhausted that lack of motivation is the thing that's keeping them where they are and I heard an interview one time of a clinically depressed uh, older gentleman who said if there was a, a uh, wand, you know, like a, a wand across the room that could give you anything that you wanted, if you were super depressed, 
you wouldn't be able to even have the motivation to get up and walk across the room to pick it up. Like that's wow. the level that some people get. But right now, nowadays with uh, phones and computers and, you know, you can call somebody, you can look just, you know, the one thing to use your willpower for is to override that impulse not to do anything and start being your own little detective and and to remember that you know you know so far as how i work with people if they want to do anything natural i say don't don't take anything away unless it's like super unhealthy or there's some substance abuse don't stop doing anything because people are afraid you're going to take my coffee away you're going to take my steak away no (laughs) none of that it's more about um what can you add that's healthy so even if they started with one thing a day that's healthy they'll start feeling so good with that that the other stuff falls away on its own and i've helped people keep their coffee and just like figure out how to um, stave off any negative anxiety that they get with it. Or, you know, you can do things about, you can take, there's natural things you can take for um, feeling like you had too much caffeine or whatever it is, or even, um, you know, sugar and meat and that kind of thing. I don't tell people to stop those things. I, I, I help people add good things and let their body and their mind um, choose on its own how to let those things go if they want to. That's awesome. And uh, I love that kind of concept that you're talking about, because um, first of all, it's a great way to uh, note to end on. But also with one of the certifications I have, we were taught about this concept of what he called crowding out. And it was exactly what you just said. Yes. A perfect. very proven thing. You know, you add it. Don't, don't take away the bad. All I'm asking you to do is add in the good first. And guess what? You do that for long enough. You don't like have to tell them this, but they do that for long enough. All of a sudden, they start making the decisions themselves. Like, you know what? I, I feel good. I don't, I don't even need that, um, you know, extra bad stuff that's not serving me. And that's when you really start making some breakthroughs. So that's cool. Connie, where can people find you? I know you do some stuff on social media. Um, and I'd love to talk about like any website or how they can work with you if they're in like the local area. Sure. Um, on Instagram, you can go to Bucks County underscore food guru. And that's like, that's the um, food psychology connection. And then there's also Garen, G-U-E-R-I-N, Garen Connie is another Instagram. So feel free to look me up on Instagram and uh, message me. I'd be happy to talk to anybody. Awesome. And guys, those... um. Those uh, usernames will be in the description below. So if you didn't catch that, feel free to go check that out. But if nothing else, give Connie a follow and just let her know how you like the episode. Because this is cool. This is definitely a little bit of a different feel than what we've done before. And I admit I am incredibly biased, but I really liked it. So <laughs> I did too. Yeah. Um, all right. Great. So, guys, you've been listening to another episode of the Overcoming Mental Health Challenges podcast with your host, Evan Transu, a.k.a. Health Coach Ev, and our guest, Connie Guerin, today. So, Connie, thanks so much again for being here, and we will see you guys next week. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Take care.